0: Well, good evening to you all. Uh, Tonight we are resuming uh, our study in Numbers. Uh, We have made our way to Chapter 5, and this evening we'll be covering uh, the first ten verses of Chapter 5. Recently, uh, in the previous weeks when we've been looking through Numbers, we've been seeing how the camp of Israel was structured, how they were organized um, as they would march through the wilderness uh, to the Promised Land. We've seen the duties of the Levites, uh, censuses of various different groups of people, the Levites, the Israelites as a whole. Uh, What we find now is uh, a break in those descriptions, uh, and now we come to laws for how the people were to act. Um, So that's where we are uh, this evening. And uh, just to put this before you, um, I will be reading verses 1 through 10, but I will mostly be talking uh, just about the first Four verses. So let's go ahead and read uh, Numbers 5, 1 through 10. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. And the people of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp. As the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel did. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed. And he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. But if the man has no next of kin to whom restitution may be made for the wrong, the restitution for wrong shall go to the Lord for the priest, in addition to the ram of atonement with which atonement is made for him. And every contribution, all the holy donations of the people of Israel, which they bring to the priest, shall be his. Each one shall keep his holy donations. Whatever anyone gives to the priest shall be his. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, we are thankful for your word uh, that you are not a God who is distant. Uh, You are not a God who hides yourself uh, from us, but you have revealed yourself through your written word. And we know that all of your word is uh, truly breathed out by you and profitable to us. Uh, So help us come to this text tonight and to see uh, your love for us, to see your holiness to see um, the more of the God that you are, um, that we might be moved to worship you more. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, unfortunately, uh, there is a temptation nowadays uh, for many uh, non-Christians and also many Christians to uh, undervalue the Old Testament. And... uh, On top of that, some even say that it is not worth anything, uh, that it is not profitable and we need to move past it. Um, There are many reasons for that, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure much of it is just ignorance. They do not know the Old Testament. Um, They don't know the New Testament well. Um, So many people uh, look at the Old Testament at a cursory glance and say, this doesn't seem to accord with the New Testament, I don't think we need to Pay attention to this. What they tragically miss is the beautiful harmony between the Old and the New Testaments, that we see, that we worship one God in Scripture. There's not one God of the Old Testament and one of the New, but there is one God writing the same story throughout the whole Old and New Testament. And that is what um, this passage, uh, if we look closely at it, will show us. Uh, that Jesus, when he came, did not undo the Old Testament. He did not say this is worthless, um, but indeed he fulfilled the whole of the Old Testament. Uh, so when we get into our text, uh, the first four verses are concerned with the people of Israel as they are marching onto the wilderness. Um, particularly, it is concerned with who is to be cast out of the camp. Of Israel. So it says, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, um, command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. So there are three specific groups of people that are mentioned here that are to be removed from the camp. And it's also worth noting that in verse 3, we see that this is a universal uh, command. You shall put out both male and female. This is not discriminatory based on uh, gender or other things. This is for the whole camp. So what we'll look at um, are, first, what did these commands look like in the Old Testament? What did they mean? Uh, What did they uh, cause? And then we will look at the New Testament and see how does the New Testament view these laws. So first, the first group of people that's discussed is the leprous person. Uh, The term leprous is somewhat misleading, perhaps. There is much debate over what particular disease leprosy in Scripture refers to. There's a modern disease, Hansen's disease, that is often described as leprosy, and there's a lot of debate about what particularly this disease uh, looked like in the Old Testament. I think um, it's best to just read the Old Testament and see what it describes the disease as, so that we can understand what it is. Uh, We see that in Numbers 12, uh, verses 10 through 12, there's an account where Miriam and Aaron Moses' siblings are jealous of him. They object to God's special relationship with him, his special revelation to him. So they rebel and they are jealous um, of him. So God descends, he pronounces judgment, and then he, uh, the cloud is removed from the tent, uh, showing that God is leaving. And we read, uh, picking up in verse 10 of chapter 12, When the cloud removed from over the tent... Behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. So in this passage, we see that there's um, a whiteness to the skin that appears with leprosy. And the way Aaron describes it is that she is going to be as one dead, uh, as one whose flesh is half eaten away. So leprosy was a very serious disease. Um, It was very um, prominent. And in Leviticus chapter 13, that is where we find most of the commands for leprosy, uh, most of the actually diagnoses uh, for telling whether a disease is leprous or not. In chapter, or in verse 12 of chapter 13 in Leviticus, it says, and if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin, so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It has all turned white and he is clean. So, in most cases, leprosy uh, in scripture would not just stay in it would spread. In this uh, instance, it is spreading over the whole body from head to foot. The skin is white, it is diseased. And then we see how the leprous person was supposed to act in, uh, in chapter 13 again of Leviticus, verses 45 through 46. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So, if one was leprous, they had to dress in a tragic way, a, sh- a way that showed mourning, a way that showed uh, distress and despair. They were to wear tattered clothes. they were to walk around they were to walk around proclaiming unclean unclean so that people would be removed from them so that people would stay away from them. so this was a kind of uncleanness um, that not to be spread in the camp. People were to stay away from these people uh, because the uncleanness, maybe the disease would spread to them, uh, but there's not actually much in scripture that tells us of leprosy spreading. It's more the uncleanness associated with the disease that spreads. The second um, category of people that's described are people with a discharge. This is most clearly uh, laid out in Leviticus chapter 15. Discharges would have been... um, Discharges of bodily fluids from primarily the sexual organs. Um, They would have been primarily unnatural. Um, There's a case in uh, the latter part of Leviticus chapter 15 that describes a woman who has a a discharge not at the time of the month when it would be natural. Uh, It is prolonged. It extends past the natural time. And there is uncleanness associated with that. Um... It's not necessarily sinfulness, um, because even, men, even um, husbands and wives coming together, there would be an uncleanness that resulted from that that would last until the evening. So, but that's not sinful. So it's not necessarily that the uncleanness is sinful, um, a direct result of sinful actions on the people, but there is this concept of unfittedness for community. Um, there is something that is barring them. Uh, Some commentators have noted uh, and suggested that the reason why these three uh, particularly are called out, the leprosy, the discharge, and the contact with the dead, is because they're all related to death. Um, Leprosy would have been this horrible disease as if you were, as Aaron said, one dead if you had it. Um, A discharge would have been a loss of blood, a loss of the life fluid associated with death. And then, of course, contact with the dead would have been just that, contact with the dead. Um, it would have been so closely related to the effects of the fall that it was not fit for community with Israel. Some have uh, suggested that maybe it's because of the contagion uh, aspect of it, uh, especially in COVID times, we should understand uh, social distancing, that uh, far-removed um, aspect from other people so that the disease would not spread. But on the whole, that is not an emphasis in scripture uh, for why these are called out. Instead, um, these are categories uh, that God deems unclean, uh, and particularly because they are unclean in the camp. Um, They will defile the tabernacle. So the last uh, category here is the one who is unclean through contact with the dead. We see the most uh, specific instruction for this in Numbers chapter 19, verses 11 through 22. If somebody had contact with a dead person, they were unclean for a long period of time. Um, So even the priest was required. He could not um, be in contact with a dead person at all. Um, that was one of the provisions. He was to be so holy and so separate from death that he couldn't at all. But for the people of Israel, they could, if a family member died and they had contact, if they touched the dead person, they would have to be unclean for um, a considerable amount of time. And if they did not cleanse themselves, if they did not uh, get themselves cleansed, then they would defile the tabernacle and there was the um, threat of death in that case. So it was a very serious uh, situation when somebody had contact with the dead and they were not cleansed of it because they were bringing death that was not being cleansed into the camp. So what this passage says is for all of these things, for all of these cases, the people of Israel as they're preparing to march to uh, the promised land, they are to remove these people. So the uncleanness maybe outside of the camp. And the reason for it, again, uh, we see in verse 3, you shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which I dwell. If they stayed in the camp, they would defile the tabernacle, they would defile the presence of the Lord, and it would cause the Lord to remove Uh, to leave the Israelites because their uncleanness uh, would contaminate the camp. So we see an act of mercy. Uh, In Leviticus 15.31, we read, Thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. God is in this uh, law providing mercifully for the people of Israel. If these people stayed inside the camp, they would die because of their uncleanness. So he tells them to remove the people so that the people may not be made unclean and so that the unclean may not die. So that's what this law looks like. Um, You would have these people with these specific afflictions removed from the camp. They would be separated from others. They would never be allowed to come near the sanctuary in in these particular cases they would be permanently removed as long as their uncleanness was on them. It was a very, a very sad state to be in. Uh, you had to be a social outcast. You had to, um, many relationships, I'm sure, as this uncleanness came upon people, uh, were broken because they could not relate to one another. They could not gather with one another. So we see um, in the New Testament, we see Jesus interact with this law. Um, This is not a law that is merely mentioned here and forgotten about in the New Testament. Instead, in uh, Luke chapter 5, we read an account of Jesus interacting with a leper. Uh, In verses 12 through 13, speaking of Jesus, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So this uncleanness that the Israelites would have been separate from, that the leper would have been dwelling outside of most of the uh, people of Israel, he would have dwelt alone, Jesus goes to him, and the leper begs him, heal me, heal me. And how does Jesus heal him? There are cases where Jesus tells lepers to simply walk to the priest and be cleansed. But in this particular case, he touches the leper. What other people never would have done, what other people would have fled like the plague, uh, Jesus goes and he touches them. And this touch does not make Jesus unclean, but it cleanses the leper. So we see a great example of Jesus' purity, um, his power in this instance. He is undefilable. Uh, He cannot be made unclean. And he extends such grace and mercy to this outcast that he cleanses him of his leprosy. In Luke 8, a very popular passage, we read of Jesus walking And uh, Jairus uh, comes to him and says, My daughter is dying. Will you heal her? Jesus says yes. So he is walking on his way. The crowds are crowding him. And Jesus feels um, a woman touch him. So we read, picking up in verse 43 of chapter 8, And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, that is Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who is it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. And how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So this woman who had this discharge, uh, and again in Leviticus 15, there's a law about a woman who has a discharge for a prolonged period of time. And she would have been unclean for as long as she had the discharge. This woman had been unclean for 12 years. She would have been outside the common assembly of Israel for 12 years. She would have been uh, seeking help for 12 years. And she goes to Jesus. And we read in Matthew, the parallel account, uh, we read here that she touches his garment. Uh, in Matthew nine twenty one, we know that she touched his garment because she said to herself, if I only touch his garment... I will be made well. If you look at the Levitical commands for people with discharges, you see that if they sat on anything, that thing was unclean. Uh, If they sat on a bed, the bed was unclean. and Whoever touched the bed would have become unclean. So if anybody touched their garments, uh, they would have been unclean. What this woman sees is that Jesus' garments instead of Contaminating, if she just touches her his garment, she will be cleansed. Um, so she has great faith in who Jesus is. She knows that Jesus is the Savior, that He is God um, in the flesh, and that His just His garment, not even His touch, but His garment will cleanse her. So we can see that the law would have been very it would have had a profound impact on these people. This was not something as maybe we can do looking at these laws, um, read them and then go on our merry way. For them, this would have been a harsh law. This would have been condemnation and judgment. They would have had to dwell outside the camp and be separate. Um, On contact with the dead in Luke 7, uh, we read an account of Jesus um, touching a dead person. Uh, Beginning in verses 11, or verse 11, reading through 15. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. So what we see if we consider this law in Numbers chapter 5 and these three passages is we see that God is not simply uh, Jesus is not simply healing diseases just for the sake of healing diseases. Although that is a benefit that these people receive. Um, The one with the discharge has that alleviated. The man who is leprous has his leprosy cured. Uh, This boy who is dead has his death reversed. Um, So we see that, but that is not all that's going on here. We see Jesus radically showing his power and indeed his ministry. Um, He is going to people that nobody would have gone to. He's going to the people whose uncleanness would have contaminated them. And he is touching them. In this passage, he touches uh, the buyer that the young man is dead on. And he is not made unclean. He is not contaminated. Um, so in that Jesus is removing the barrier he's not merely removing a sickness but he's removing the barrier of these people from God this uncleanness would have separated them from the temple from the tabernacle they wouldn't have been able to go in they wouldn't have been able to be with God and Jesus is going to them and removing that from them so that they can draw near uh, to Christ, to God. Brothers and sisters, this is what Jesus has done for us. Um, I think it's easy in America, especially if you've grown up in the church, to get this way of thinking that we are not um, worthy of judgment, we are not worthy um, of punishment, we are not all that bad people. But if we look at this, these people would have seen this law, and they would have been instantly condemned. They would have seen, I am leprous. I have to dwell outside the camp. I have a discharge. I have to dwell outside the camp. Um, I have touched a dead person. I have to dwell outside the camp. For us, before we were saved, this is how we saw the law. It was instant condemnation for us. Because we are not just physically unclean because of diseases, but our hearts are unclean. Um, Indeed, our heart is what defiles us, as Jesus said, is what comes out of the heart that defiles us. So when we see the law, uh, we see our condemnation. Uh, We see the judgment that is uh, pronounced on us. But in the same way, as Jesus went to these people and cleansed them, if you believe in him, that is what he does for us. He takes away our reproach. He takes away the sinfulness, um, the wretchedness that would separate us from God. And he allows us to draw near uh, and to be in relationship with him. Last thing. Um, In Revelation, uh, chapter 21, uh, verses 22 through 27, we see John is beholding the heavenly city of the new Jerusalem. And what he says is, and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. That uncleanness was nothing. Uh, That uncleanness was arbitrary. What he did was he cleansed the people of their uncleanness. The heavenly city here we see will have no one who is unclean in it. So the question is um, how will we get into the city? Uh, And the answer uh, is Jesus. Um, The answer to how we who are sinful could dwell with a God who is perfectly holy and righteous is Jesus. Jesus is the mercy of God um, to sinful men. This is a good point for us to consider um, that we do not preach forgiveness to those who need no forgiveness. We do not preach cleansing to those who need no cleansing. Um, And indeed, to some... Uh, to many, we need to preach that they need cleansing. Um, sin is so insidious that we can often not even acknowledge that it's there. Um, we can often not even acknowledge that we need um, healing. So when we proclaim the gospel, something the Puritans were big on, uh, something they emphasized, was our need to apply the law uh, to the human heart to those that we are speaking with. We need to apply the law so they will see uh, that they are indeed judged by the law. But that Jesus has um, died on their behalf so they might be saved. Um, So when we evangelize, um, the good news is robbed of its power. It is robbed of its glory. And Jesus, I think, is robbed of glory if we downplay the sinfulness of men. Indeed, it is so much the case that Jesus' grace is magnified um, by our sinfulness. So as we go, um, let us seek to proclaim this good message, um, this message of cleansing, this message of inclusion, uh, this message of salvation um, to those who need to hear it, which is all of us. Let's pray. Well, Father, we are so thankful um, that we who stood condemned can be washed clean. That we who have forsaken your law, we who have transgressed your commandments, can be forgiven and can walk in newness of life if we believe in you. Please give us more and more um, confidence in your love for us. Please let us live our lives in a way that, um, that shows our love for you in return for such a miraculous work that you have done for us. Let us love you with our heart, soul, and mind that we may make much of you and help us as we proclaim the gospel to others to proclaim the same message that we have heard and believed. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.